Hey, greetings fellow Slingers, it's your trusted GM Brian, and welcome back to another one of our Hard Slingers panel. This time, bookending our mid-season finale of our Blood Lords run-through. You know, it was always an intention of mine to be sure to not let the seasons run too long, and unfortunately, we did go along for Dragon's Demand. Too long. Well, like anyone eating the same thing, although it might taste great, every once in a while, you need that palate cleanser. And we have a bit of a palate cleanser on the horizon. And who better to prep the threshold before we begin our season 13 than the hard slingers of your Sam, Tone, and your trusted GM as we talk about the systems we played and where the show's going. So in an effort to not break continuity, let's warm up our dice and top off our glass as World Hard 20 Podcast presents Bloodlords, episode 19, the hard slingers of your panel. You know... I don't really think we're going to need the dice for this one, so let's just double down on the topping off of the glass. <laughs> so how's everyone doing? Doing well, brother Ryder. How about you? Yeah. Good, good. Exactly. We're putting together a little uh, hard slingers panel. Basically, gonna we just finished up season eleven of our Blood Lords run through, and it's the first half of book one because we got other things on the palette, don't we, brothers? Yes, indeed. We yeah. So what we're gonna do is we're just gonna kind of talk about Blood Lords a little bit. I know Tone, you jumped in kind of on the back end. Uh, but we're going to do a little bit of a comparison. I know it's might seem a little off the off the wall here, but a comparison between Delta Green, made by Arc Dream Publishing, and say Dungeons and Dragons or even Paizo's Pathfinder 2E, which is what we're currently playing. Uh, but before we begin, let's uh, let's give a round of applause to who we are. I got my brother Sam, <laughs> my brother Tone, my heart slingers of yore. Well. Uh, and of course, I am your trusted GM slash handler slash DM, Brian. 40 years of crits and fumbles <laughs> on and off the game board. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly just uh, trying to be articulate. And those are my, my greatest fumbles right there. So I like the words you come up with. They're not in the dictionary, but they're work. Yeah, they, they, they have a certain resonance. Yeah, they work like gription. Everyone knows what gription is. It's on the bottom of your fucking shoes, right? Yeah. It's got good gription. It's not a dictionary, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Yep. <laughs> so I think our, our biggest thing right now is that we've been playing Pathfinder 2E, and it's a three-action economy. And, of course, it has different uh, aspects than, say, Delta Green. Delta, Delta Green's all about the the realism. So, like, no healing, no magic. Or if there is no hope, magic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It will kill you. And if you use it, you have to make a sanity check. And the biggest problem I have with it is by the time your character gets to the peak of his abilities, he's gone insane. And but for our creative uh, methodology of regaining sanity points, it would be a dead end game. And I never understood it. Even back when we were going, remember the old gaming conventions? Remember when they were back at the Wyndham Hotel? You know, way back in the day in L.A.? Oh, yeah. by the airport Sheridan the hill talking about playing call of cthulhu and it was like yeah that sounds like a great game and then they talked about sanity and 
and how your character loses sanity the further along he progresses in the game. And I always thought that was a mechanical break because how do you get attached to a character that ultimately becomes unplayable? Yeah, well, we got... The thing is with... with um, What's that, Ryder? The alien back there. Oh, the head hanging, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The thing is, is the difference between Delta Green and, say, games like D&D and Paizo. Delta Green, you're not a hero. You are holding the flood back, you know, finger in the dam. I used a nice word there instead of the other one. You know, holding back all these leaks before this flood, this tide of, you know, cosmic horror. You know, it's inevitable engulfs the world like you're not a hero in D D, well let me specifically talk D D. in D D in the old days it was very lethal but you also could wade into five six cobalts knowing that they're going to do one to two points of damage or something and you're just slaughtering them because they have one to two points of you know hit points so you're able to feel heroic it's not the real world delta green is more real world D D is more like you're reading conan you're reading you know, fantasy novels and things like that. And then Paizo is kind of what I've, this is the first time I played Paizo with Bloodlords. It's kind of straddling the two where I want to be a hero, but I'm finding out that, you know, if I have three actions and special moves, so does every other friggin' first level monster that I'm facing. We got giant rats that are taking down dwarven warriors with like plagues and sickness and all this. And, there we go. That's, that was a bad version, but it's like it, you almost can't be heroic in that the same way you could in D&D. Even though D&D was very lethal. Like Paizo, you got a little bit more hit points, a little bit more movement. You can do things, but every monster you face is equal to you, if not even worse. And that's at first level. I can't imagine what it's going to be later on. We finally made level two in the, the previous episode um, or one of the previous episodes, depending on when you're listening now. And you get more hit points, you get more abilities, but so does the enemy. Yeah, and I, I remember back in the old day playing old school D&D where you could be that hero and things were still very lethal. Even for your player character, you used to have usually like a folder of a couple of them that you could just <laughs> whoo, get ready. Cat scratch would kill a first yeah, level yeah. wizard. <laughs> but but as the, additions, <laughs> as the additions progressed, it became much more difficult for that PC to perish. And I think that Paizo with their Pathfinder 2E kind of brings that back to the forefront where it is more capable to to knock uh, a player character down and keep it down and keep punishing it, you know, depending on what kind of GM you are as well. And, bloodthirsty. Yeah, bloodthirsty. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've never been called that before. Um, and then you look at something like Delta Green, which we're saying is more real world and you're 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 just trying to push the expiration date further out because of the inevitable and like tone i know you you've said that about the about the insanity and how that takes you takes you down you said it for a long time and and it is it can be that way i think that uh arc dream has come up with a creative way of making it to where you can continue to play the character by burning off the bonds and and making your your downtime more involved with with your character mm -hmm. then it's more of a role-playing game too you yeah, know than rather than games. just showing up for the op performing the op and then you leave either completely insane or partially partially insane or whatever because even seeing somebody die 
you never get used to that kind of death. Seeing the unnatural, you never get used to that. Seeing something with tentacles burst out of the light sockets, you never get used to that. So you're constantly taking these damages. You know, you got a, a teammate that goes insane, so you got to chuck his body into a wood chipper. You're going to go insane. You know, you start taking these damages. And then at the end of the op, you're like, okay, well, my guy's down so much, and my breaking point was at this point. And then you end the op. But to take it one step further and actually do like what we did with the epilogues, which I want to start making a more common thematic element on the show, people as like well as one. the prologues. Yeah, people really enjoyed the epilogues where you delve into what the characters are doing when they're not on the op. And I want to see them start to break their bonds to try to get their sanity back and then have to fix those bonds if they can or to find out that they're their wife is going to leave them and has moved on and maybe is with somebody else and how that defect, you know, directly affects the agent while they're on an op or something. But yeah. it makes no sense to me that, that you think that would contribute to their insanity. It might, well, it may not. Yeah. I mean, it might be yeah. something that, uh, that There's a death relishes. He had to burn a bond with his wife. Children are gone. <laughs> he had to burn a bond with his wife and now he's riding motorcycles and dating a bunch of people and just having an awesome time. And, and the prince lived happily ever after. <laughs> no, but think about... Make like, a fortitude save. Yeah, think yeah. about like um, Breaking Bad, right? And replace the meth with like this cosmic horror. You know, Walter White, you know, speaking of Heisenberg as our handler, You're he burned bonds right. with his wife, with his kids, you know, with his job, with his family. He did all these things to retain being able to live in this world of that meth dealer. And that's what our that's guys a really are really great analogy, Sammy, that, that Thank you. really, I could see that. Yeah. But that's how it is the unnatural to yeah. be Heisenberg. He had to do all these things. Like imagine your handler guy, what he must've done to retain that position and that presence as Heisenberg. Like that's, it's very similar to that. And you know, you never get into that in D and D or, or uh, the Paizo Pathfinder stuff, but that's what, a lot of Delta green is about. And if you don't, you don't do any of that and just kind of play the game. Like, Oh, I lost some sanity with my family. It's like doing those epilogues really brought it home. Like tone. Odessa is fucked, man. I get to be a cool ass fucking werewolf, but you're fucked. You're getting, losing half your shit. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds Bounce cool board. to be a werewolf, but, <laughs> but there might actually be a, a cross to bear with that. Yeah. Nah, it's fucking awesome. Either way. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah, but can you imagine like being with somebody when this, this change undergoes somebody that you care about and finding that you end up shredding up somebody that you have deep respect for or somebody that you're falling in love Someone with I and, love. and yeah. you wake up and that person is just shredded in half of their family their flesh kid, is wife. in your belly at this point i see you know, say yeah yeah can you imagine how how that might odessa someone's gonna have to comfort his wife I mean, they're already on a rocky relationship. So. <laughs> no. Make a sanity check. Hey, Sana, um, you're from Sweden. You know I did the art for Hammerfall, right? Yeah, there we go. But <laughs> I, I definitely hey. I I definitely find myself angled towards enjoying Delta Green much more than than I thought I would. Like it it's leagues ahead of where I feel as far as D D is concerned. And I really like Pathfinder 2E also. I, I really enjoy that, but there's just something about the real world of Delta Green that when you're playing it, you you could almost relate to it on a personal level. Like, I think I pulled up for Sins of the Father that it was across the way from the uh, San Onofre power plant. Now, we know where that is because we've all driven past it 
when we'd go down to San Diego or whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's a tangible, unlike Galarian, which has different portions, you know, it's got, um, I'm going to totally space. It's got Geb and it's, it's a got random fantasy name. Magnemar. That be yeah. Anything else. It's got all these different places, which are likened to places on earth, but to actually be journeying through certain cities, like for the, the latest one that I'm putting together for auction 127, it starts off in New York. Well, I went on Google and I started actually locating specific things that I wanted to be here and there in relation to the distances and stuff. So you guys could, that have been to New York and say, I know exactly where the fuck that's at. Big Bear, dude. Yeah, First we, episode, we went, yeah. we went to our cabin. Yes, that was cool. Yeah. You know, D&D. So the thing is, is that's great about it is like you have different tastes. You know, sometimes like just with your palate, you're hungry for this. You want Italian or Mexican or Japanese, whatever. D&D to me, if you were looking at it as like beverages, D&D is like Coca-Cola for our young listeners. Or, you know, just good cheap American beer or good European beer. That's D&D and Paizo. Delta Green is spirits, wine, stuff like that. It's stuff that you really have to be able to comprehend the tastes and the, the, all that sort of stuff. It's different things. Like when you want to party, you want to play D&D. When you want to get deep and be philosophical, Delta Green, that's kind of... You know, it's it's the difference between, you know, reading works of Robert E. Howard or Shakespeare. It's like, do you want deepness and all that? Or do you want energy and power? Like D&D to me is energy and power. Delta Green is X-Files meets Cthulhu. You're you're thinking you're not fighting maybe at the end and you're probably going to die. So don't fight. Right. The only thing I would say about the Pathfinder system is it's very, very rule complex. There's a lot of things that are going on. A lot of things that take place when other, you have to activate one ability to access three other tiers of abilities. And then when you do that, there's rules for those. And it's, it's, um, I think it ruins the immersion. Like, I will I just say, like, okay, say again. Go ahead, I, I said, I will say it's because it's a new system for us. D and D is the exact same for a new person. Thanks. Like, so? yeah, I think so. Like you imagine, remember when you were first playing D and D how like, complex the spells were and this and that a turn versus a round and all this kind of stuff like yeah, i we agree i think it back in the day it was like i'm gonna yeah. attack great roll your roll yeah. okay great what do you need well, you need this there you hit him okay you're well, done also your are you playing okay. a are you playing a character you're playing a character that's not in the base rules right uh i don't think so so it's like the in D, &D terms the unearthed arcana or mm -hmm. whatever like the deeper ones like I remember, you know, a fighter in D&D &D is basic as hell, but if you're playing right. a barbarian, you got these rules that you can't wear. This is old D&D. Can't wear anything heavier than leather armor. You, you know, you have to have a minimum score of this and that and the other, and it's got all these things like you have to be this way if you want to be, bar you know, uh, enraged or whatever. Like, I think you're playing one of the more complex characters. That's why when I was starting with uh, Blood Lords, I just played a monk because I didn't want to play a normal fighter because Cruz was already kind of tanking that. I right. wanted to be something like a rogue fighter-ish thing, but I hate the rogues nowadays and all these, no offense, D&D &D and Paizo, they're all these like wily guys with, you know, two different blades and they're all savoir faire and all that. It's like, no, I want a rogue, like a dirty ass agent dude that's skulking in the shadows. So I played a monk that way, you know? 
Oh, see, that's the thing. What I remember the D&D being was, all right, you're a magic user. We didn't get bogged down in some of the minutia with spell components and casting times and all those other things. That was always dumb, I thought, the spell components. It's too too much. You just, I want to roll. This is what I want to do. Obviously, the, the inherent flaws in the system come to the fore when it's like, yeah, you're a level one magic user. You cast sleep. Now you're done for the day. You have nothing else to do. So and it didn't work. Yeah, or that's it, why yeah, it, it evolved work. beyond that though too. So right? now you I just was... throw daggers for like 20, 20 different yeah, rounds. Exactly for the rest of the for the rest of the encounter. That's all you're doing because that's all you can do. And there are ways to fix that. The cantrips are nice. Cantrips but... are awesome in yeah. Monster yeah. Manual or what is it? On Arcana. I love that. I think that's when they introduced cantrips. I thought that was great because if a fighter can attack with a sword for 1d8, why can't a wizard do or warlock, whatever, Eldritch Eldritch Blast for 1d8? Because it's still the same damage and it's range. So if a fighter or ranger can do 1d8 with an arrow, why can't a wizard? And the wizard, if he gets encountered, he's got a worse armor class than a ranger or a fighter. He's going to get smoked. So you got to be maneuverable. But that was the thing I always liked about cantrips. It made a wizard feel heroic because before like you said cast sleep or magic missile woo two to five damage i might kill a cobalt or the cat that can kill me yeah and that was only <laughs> one of them your party's encountering six so yeah. you put to sleep maybe one of them two of them and now you're done for the whole day so i get the cantrips and and i understand where the 2e is coming from but there's just so many different rules and um yeah well I suppose when I get used to it, the stuff will be second nature. And it, it's like anything else, right? You pick out your favorites, you pay two or three different classes, you get to know them really well, yeah. and that's it. You you never venture out. Even though yeah. now with this new system, there's like 30 different classes. You can do yeah, all that's the that's the, the thing about games that have to last forever. You know, I mm-hmm. deal with this with my day job with, you know, games like World of Warcraft. And that's the newest Warcraft game, you know, compared to like Warcraft 1, 2, and 3. It's been out for 20 years now. And it's like you always have to come up with new dungeons or new new continents and continent, um, new environments, new all this stuff. And it's like, well, you got to fit one, you know, you got to make it fun to play. That's the first thing. Gameplay first after art, I always say. <laughs> but gameplay first, but then you got to figure out in the lore. It's like, how did this continent just continent rise up out of nowhere? Now there's this new thing. But when you have a game that's going on forever and games like D&D, People like us who have played it, we were we were playing probably the second generation of it. The the first guys were playing it in the late 70s. Yeah. And we started playing in the early 80s. And in its heyday, it was like, you know, 86 to 88 was the big time when it was real popular for us. And, you know, 85 to 86, whatever. But now you got these new generations playing it and they've played all this stuff. But now you need to have these weird races like crystal people that you can't relate to or weird races that are mushroom people that you can't relate to and weird classes that you go, well, what is it? Well, it's like a warlock, a thief, a rogue. Well, aren't a thief and a rogue the same thing? No, no, no. A rogue is this. A thief is like, fuck. I just want to be the big guy with the sword. Everyone get behind the big guy at the sword and the shield, right? right? It's like that. that's the thing. It's like you lose sort of those iconic roles when you keep doing these systems forever and ever and ever. And that's why just like with games like Games Workshop, hey, we're releasing our Space Marines. Wait a minute, you already did that. No, this is the new Space Marines. This is so the Primark so Space there, Marines. So there's new miniatures. Okay, I get that. They're cooler looking, but now we have updated rules. It's like, 
what are they on 10 you either recreate workshop well you you either recreate the old shit it's like oh do we need a new fighter do we need a new space marine or you come up with these new classes and they're just weird because they're not hearkening to legacies that you you know and it's like well there's some classes that are cool but there's some that are just like this is wankery in the first degree i've seen that with like a lot of the uh D stuff where they'll keep running uh tomb of horrors for you know first edition and then third edition and fourth edition now fifth edition and they'll do the same thing with the hidden shrine of Tomoakon or mm-hmm. the sunless citadel it's like how many different times do we need to play the same things in the same areas let's why not branch out and do something different why do we keep doing the same things you know why do we want to, yeah. to rehash a lot of this stuff so yeah it's like remaking episodes of like old tv shows like if they wanted to like well here's seinfeld in you know the new edition it's like just watch the old seinfeld yeah. if i'm going to play the hall of the giant or the you know the what is it the frost giant the glacier rift the frost giant jarl the you know the hall of the fire giant king whatever it is i'd rather just play the second edition D and do that i don't want to play it in the new editions where i can do all these special moves and it's just not as fun i'd rather just play the old stuff and that's the problem with a lot of games nowadays is you could just buy the dungeon master's guide and player's handbook and monster manual and i'll even argue that you don't even need to buy the monster manual if you don't want to you can make your own but that's the fun like you need those three books that's all you need and now there's yeah. supplemental stuff that's great i'm still a fan of the barbarian the cavalier from the unearthed arcana but you, know, you don't really need that but a lot of times like to keep these games going you got to release these new supplemental books well, that's like the lifeblood of it, of any company. Once you release enough stuff where you you fill all the niches, then you just got to move on to the next uh, edition. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you start seeing other companies do that. I know that Wizards, what they're doing is they're gonna. I think they're doing something with a a, a monthly payment now as they move into D and D five point five or whatever it is, and that it's all gonna go digital and. I don't know if that's true or not because honestly, I don't buy any more D and D stuff. I got plenty of D and D stuff on my shelves where, just because they come up with a new edition, doesn't make these any less viable. But that was one of the reasons why we went with Paizo to do Pathfinder Two E because it it does seem like a different system that kind of scratched that itch that we had. But I think that now that we've done what we've done with Blood Lords, where we're going to take this break and then we're actually going to start fielding more delta green seasons i think that's that's what we all want to go to that's what we're all heading towards and i think they're a little quicker a little faster to go through and and more engaging as well plus i think they're pretty relatable as far as like as a player to your character like what would you do well i'm going to jump off a cliff and i'm going to fly with my wings well no because they don't have that you know i'm not going to breathe fire i'm not going to be pulling out swords and, and shooting magic missiles because it's not really who you are, but you as an individual, if you got to hunker down behind a wreck of a car and pull out a pipe because you don't have a weapon, you know, a handgun with you, and you know something's creeping down like a cultist, and you could almost feel the tension of that, you know? Yeah. As mm-hmm. as Kimura brought his tired jack to go fight werewolves. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the funny thing. Yeah. Go ahead, brother. No, it was right. That was, it's, um, you know, Delta Green's an entirely different playing style. You can't 
be the hero. Just like what you were saying, Sammy, you cannot be the hero. There is no healing. You get hit for six points. Your character is now suffering and possibly bleeding out. Half dead. Yeah. yeah. That's it. You lose all your hit points. You die. Your character is done. And there's no resurrection. The first aid kit doesn't give you hit yeah. points back. There's it no zero. It where you are. Yeah. At zero best case, is yeah. death. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we've been close to that point a couple times where it's like, yeah, this has now gone south on us. Dude. We cannot continue this mission because we're damaged there. I was down to two. Cleric. You were down to one. Yeah. And the only reason we survived, I think, is by grace of the, the, the of handler the at that time. Yeah, because <laughs> but, I think technically at one, you, you go unconscious. And that's <laughs> conscious. But that's the thing with like Delta Green. It's like, oh, you have one hit point? Yeah, you're almost dead. You can't move. It's like, well, fuck. Well, <laughs> Mm -hmm. that, that's that, that's the thing where you got to differentiate the gameplay versus real world like in my opinion if you're at one hit point that means you're still up yeah that means you're fighting on your last legs you're rocky against ivan drago you're standing there dead on your feet you can still move you can still punch and do damage and then the next head sends you down right but that the idea that's like well you have one hit point that means that you can't walk and you have, you know, you're, you're bleeding. It's like, no, no, no. come on. You, you, this is a game. First of all, gameplay right. first after art, as I said, yeah. but you got, you know, it's like, you got to make the game compelling. If it's like, well, you're down to half hit points. So now you're at half speed. It's like, well, fuck, that's not fun. You know, I I've had it where I've had a fever and all that. And I've been able to run around and do all kinds of things still, you know, I thought the, the best compromise for, as you start dipping down into the lower hit points is to start suffering penalties on your on your skills like your marksmanship or whatever may suffer by 20 percent if you're down to like two hit points or whatever you know your, your odds of you aiming straight because you're losing blood or you're losing focus or you've got a concussion or something or you know you get down to one hit point you drop it down like another 20 percent, and that that's more realistic of somebody that's that's pretty fucked up at that point where you may not be able to cite somebody. It doesn't mean it's impossible, but you're also not at tip top shape. Well, I still got one hit point left and you know, I can still keep going. Well, I would you know, say, I would say then as a professional game mm -hmm. designer, that if that's the case for the gameplay, then at full health, you should be at higher marksmanship and all that. So when you play the game, cause we're playing a game here, we want to have fun. It's checkers, it's chess, it needs to be balanced. So at full health, I'm at plus whatever, if it's Delta Green or, you know, Paizo, d and I'm at plus one or plus two to hit. And then but when I get are. down, yeah, but I have that already, right? Well, look at it this way, okay. But that's if, my, that's, I should even have an even more sort of thing. Because you do. at normally, I'm, no, because Because you're trained at it because you, so you would add a, another 20% to your stat that you already have, which gives but you, you don't safe. have this in Delta Green. You have it in D and D. Right? No, they do have it. Well, they do have it in, in Delta Green, where, like, if you if you have ten percent and then you're actually trained in it for twenty percent, it would make it thirty percent. So we'll just well, we'll just use like, like health. Oh, health I thought you were talking about like success. Shooting, yeah, so about if success health is going to affect my shooting. Like, if I'm below half health or at two hit points. I'm at negative 20%. I got my, my fingers curled. And I got my Glocks pointed. Um, then at full health, I should have a plus, right? Or it, it should go from plus to zero to negative. Then it's one thing. But if it's, 
you get lower, you get less hit points. It's like, well, what's the point of playing the game then? What's the bonus? Like, what's where's the fun? It's like there's no point in if you're going to constantly be degraded in your gameplay, the more you lose hit points. Well, that that's just not fun. That's not even real life. You know, if I'm bright eyed and bushy tail, I'm feeling good for the day. If I'm hungover, I'm obviously less good at shooting, whatever. But even then, I've had some of my greatest well, days hungover okay. as a dwarf. But, but look at it this way. <laughs> a lot of, okay, say you're trained in something and you get an extra 30%. We'll just say that. But the original stat bonus that you got was based off of either strength or dex. Okay, or or intelligence or whatever. That is the bonus right there. Because you were at full strength or dex or constitution or whatever. And as you start lowering things, yeah, con. As you start <laughs> lowering your abilities because of the damage you take, that would actually reflect that. Now, you don't have to take it off of the, your, your six stats that you have. I get it. If I'm but, shot in the leg and I can't but move it's, as it's fast. But it's more flavor. That's something that's that dense. we do on our show. I don't think anybody else does that. It's just something that that we've done. And I think that we've only toyed with it a little bit in Under a Pale Moon. But that was because you guys were dealing with werewolves and shit like that. Spoiler alert if you haven't yeah. listened to it yet. So. Well, the idea, like you had a great thing where, thank uh, you again, spoiler, Muha was a werewolf. But he regenerated less than, spoiler, Macklemore, because Macklemore was young, vibrant, mm -hmm. and all that, and he had his regen factor. Macklemore didn't have the regen factor, but he still had it. No, he had it. Macklemore that's did. what I'm saying. Muha he didn't. still, Muha didn't. I'm sorry. Ma Muha still had it. So, well, Macklemore might have done three or two around. Mac uh, Muha did one, but he still had it. So it was yeah. a positive, but it was just a negative. The positive. So that's why I'm saying, like, if you're down in hit points. Or like old D&D &D did it with age too. Like when you were considered venerable, you were minus two in strength. It's like, okay, I get it, but we're not playing real life. If my guy's Conan the King, he's not weaker than he ever was. He's always the badass Conan, you know? Like that's that's the difference in, in gameplay versus storytelling versus a game that's like more based in real life versus, you know, fantasy. What I like Rambling about. topics here. Sorry. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tell them what do you got to say. Well, the good thing about the Paizo system is having those hero generator sheets that keep track of all your bonuses. That does make the gameplay a lot. Oh, easier. hero labs. Hero labs. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that well, makes the gameplay a lot easier. Because that's not, that's not theirs, though. It. That's a, a completely different company, though. That's by gotcha. uh, Lone Wolf. Yeah, Lone Wolf Studios. Hats off yeah. to you. It makes the gameplay a lot easier to simply look at the sheet and say, oh, look, here, plus Bonjour, seven to hit on melee. Great. You know? Yeah, I like I like Hero Labs a lot. It's been great. Yeah, it has made learning this system a lot easier. And I haven't used it on my end, being the the GM. But from everything you, that you no, I don't use it. So what about Reva? What's his stats, GM? I have them right here. Oh, mm -hmm. so you wrote them out on paper? I didn't write them out. I printed them out. Oh, there we go. <laughs> One of the great things, so beloved listeners. Some of the characters that the writer has made, they're not characters from the book. So if you if you remember, was it Dragon's Demand with guys like Heinrich? Yeah. If you remember Batu from the Riders of the yeah. Storm? And if you, you know, Riva, these are all just made up dudes. And they're some of the most stellar cast members of these shows. And mm -hmm. it's just all from writers' little brain Intellect. There. 
Thank yeah. you, brothers. Yeah. I appreciate it's his that. IP. And the role playing yeah. is great too. They all seem yeah. to have accents, though. Like, you ever do one that doesn't have an accent? <laughs> What's uh, fun with that? Piece? No, not really. No. Maribatu. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. No, I totally remember that. Uh, no, I don't. I think unless you're talking with somebody that's working at a gas station, or I think even that guy kind of had the "I'm um, high, don't look at my my eyes." Oh, that's right. The uh, the one with the uh, the Velociraptors, right? Yeah. What was that? Uh, Future Perfect. Yeah, one. and he had his house yeah. where his dad was up there. Yeah, he was yeah. like a total like <laughs> like fucking Jeff Spicoli type dude. Yeah, had totally growing buds and shit. But uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, even the Macklemore. Or uh, Makamura. Makamura. He's great, too. Makamura. Uh, But even like a lot of the sheriffs or the medical examiners, they all tend to have some kind of a twang to them or whatever, depending on where you, where the agents wind up in. But yeah, I like to. That's good storytelling. A little flavor. Yeah, immediate. Immediately know what you're dealing with. And that's a good thing, you know, with storytellers. It's like the first two seconds. Excuse me. You know who you're. You know what you're dealing with. You get a picture and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, you got to build the audience rapport. They don't identify with the character, or at least can identify them. And what's the point? You've alienated your audience. Now they're just listening. You can do that on radio. Well, the last thing we ever want to do is alienate our audiences because I believe that all of our fellow slingers, all of our fellow listeners out there, are having just as much fun as we're having playing the game, mm-hmm. and. What can I say? Everybody out there is going to be enjoying it to some degree. Well, I'll Absolutely. I'll give it uh, give you guys an example. So, both of you, and maybe you can say it at the same time after after I say this. Do you guys remember what the bums sound like in Terminator? When hey, hey, did you, you see, see a real really bright, bright light? light? <laughs> yeah, that was the only lines this dude have, other than he took my pants. You know, that's so like, much took my pants. But that's what I mean. You you remember it immediately, and it's mm-hmm. you know, oh, it's a bum. Well, what are you gonna have the bum go? In the deep times, this person can't. It's like no, no. Just what's a bum sound like? What's a dude who's kind of on his last legs or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, it was perfect, and. You know, how old, 30-something years ago that movie came out? And you guys remember? 84. Yeah. Nerd. 84 um, years ago? <laughs> 84 years ago. Yeah. Tony is 110. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but that's what I yeah. mean. Like, it, it's it's very iconic. And, and the way that you do a lot of the NPCs, it, it, it's like that. You can remember. It's like, oh, Riva, he has this kind of Russian or Romanian or what we perceive as Russian or Romanian because we watched movies. That's cool. You got right, it immediately. Thank you. Know it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, I have a good time putting together the voices. I have a good time playing the games. I like running my brothers through my hard slingers of your through yeah. stuff. It, that really, to me, I think I really relish that. I enjoy doing that because, you know, all the I have no inhibitions about doing the voices or, or even if I totally screw something up, which most instances we can edit that stuff out but for for the most part i just i mean we've been playing for i don't know how many years together how many decades we've been 17 yeah yeah i mean i don't feel any inhibitions whatsoever you guys don't judge me you guys love it and laugh at it absolutely just like i love it when you guys are doing your things i know i've seen 
Agent Odesso do certain things that I just can't help but laugh. Like when he'll come through, all right, man, I'm going to start running this show and flipping out the badge, even though it's totally fucking fake. And I love that. You see <laughs> it's Kondo the best his prop in the stuff. world. Here's my <laughs> FBI badge. See, you have to do what I said. I got a badge. And it's like feds, a desk. We're at a strip joint. Put it away. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about, man. This is good for free drinks. <laughs> yeah. But I think uh, I think we've got got what we were looking for tonight. I just wanted to put a little bit of comparison out there and the, so you guys have anything else you want to add to the what we've got going on. I love the three action economy on Paizo. Uh, I think that uh, D&D should adapt that. I mean, we kind of always did stuff like that in our old games, but I really like that. Now, I don't agree that the monsters have that as well. I still think that the monsters should always be a step behind the characters and the way that you uh, overcome that is by adding more monsters. The worst thing you can do is have five characters surrounding a skull fairy and getting your asses kicked. If it's a dragon, it's one thing. If it's a little pixie from the netherworld, it's like that's that just sucks. <laughs> skull fairy. That thing was fucking awesome. Yeah, and there's also a point where it can come and tear your head off. Yeah, apparently. And it's a fairy. By it's me saying I drag, or, you know, yeah, when I said I drag Cruz out the room or whatever it was, Ryder was like, good, because he was about ready to get his head torqued after that. <laughs> yeah. How about cranium? How about cranium crawler or something? Something giving it a little more menace than. Yeah. Skull some fairy. kind of giant centipede or something, you know, yeah. like, a, you know, skull burrower or something. But like, but yeah, yeah exactly. apparently. Yeah. Cranium the dude crawler. Who, who was laying on the ground, the wizard had his head blown out like he was listening to Manowar in 1984. It's like, thankfully, we go. saved Cruz. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been going to Riva and wouldn't have been able to have that great little interaction between uh, Riva and Cruz in the episode, mm -hmm. was it 17, 18, Ryder? 17. Mm -hmm. 17. A winger. Mm -hmm. Is it 17 or 18? I think it's 17. No, it's Blood 18. Lord's 15 just came yeah. out. It's 18. Sorry about that. Yeah, the song loses all its purpose when it says she's only 18. It's like, great, she's Leo, whatever. 17. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we'll cut that out too. Thanks. Yeah. Great. All, all right. right well, so, Ryder, finish yeah. us off here. Top yep. us off, GM. All right. Well, my fellow slingers out there, thank you for spending your time with the three of us, hard slingers of your. Just a little bit of insight on what we feel about some of the systems and how we played a few of them. I hope everybody enjoyed it. It's just uh, something that we just felt like every once in a while we want to just put a little tangent finger on so you guys could kind of hear us when we're not playing characters and hear us when we've kind of had a few beers or whatever. Anything else, uh, don't take it to heart. Or take it to heart because we meant what we said. <laughs> yeah. And we'll catch you all next session. By the way, the next season will be season 15 well, i believe it is no it's, it's 15 of our delta green scenarios and it will be convergence so stay tuned and look forward to that hell. all right hell and keep the faith hell yeah have a good night Thank you for joining us once again on Roll the Hard 20 Podcast. Remember, you can find us and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Podcasts, and Audible. 
And if you like what you're listening to, leave us that five-star rating and review. We also have a YouTube channel at World Hard 20, so if you're into watching, head on over and hit that subscribe bell. We can also be found in the wild on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so don't forget to look for us there and check us out. You can also contact the show directly at RollTheHard20Podcast at gmail.com or head on over to the website at RollTheHard20Podcast.com where you can download the current show directly, pick and choose past shows from our archives, or view our galleries. We've got a lot of stuff posted there, so check us out. And finally, join us on our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash RollTheHard20Podcast where you can become a hard slinger and pick up swag. So until next session, Keep your dice warm and your glass topped off as you roll those hard 20s.